Welcome back to another fun-filled episode of Point of Insanity Game Studios Geekery and General Podcast. I am, of course, the main host of this show, Al, and with me today is my awesome, beautiful, lovely, wonderful wife, Roz. How are you doing today, honey? I'm doing okay. Well, that's good. So today, Roz and I are going to talk about, I guess you could say a little bit different topic than... Uh, the normal uh, gaming, computer, uh, geek-related topics, and that is paranormal investigation shows. Now, I, I suppose in a way, uh, you can be a geek about paranormal investigation. One of the definitions of geek that I hear people throw around every now and then is someone who's really passionate about something. So would you say that it's possible to be a geek about paranormal investigation? Absolutely not. Okay. I am no geek in any way, shape, or form. You don't consider yourself a geek anymore? No. But we used to play Dungeons & Dragons together. That was long ago in a galaxy far, far away. Because you get mad at me anytime I go out of character and, yeah, wreak havoc on the game. Well, that's because you specialize in playing annoying characters. Well, isn't that the fun of it? Well, anyways, I think we're getting <laughs> off topic. Not that that never happens on my show, but, uh... <laughs> Anyways, so, so Ross and I are going to talk about paranormal investigation shows. It's a type of TV show that I've enjoyed for many years. Don't watch it as much uh, as we used to, but occasionally uh, Ross and I would uh, watch paranormal investigation shows before going to bed, and sometimes we'd, you know, we still watch them. Let's play a game. Let's see what your first paranormal show versus my first paranormal show. Well, for me, unless you're counting something like the occasional one-shot special, I'd have to say the first one I really followed was called Sightings. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's kind of younger and stuff. Um, you're talking to someone who started out with every Saturday, well, Saturday and Sunday morning, Getting up and watching as far as the Twilight Zones. That's where my love began. Yeah, true, it is not a paranormal show as far as investigation. But, you know, it plants the seed. And then from that, of course, you got more into your one step beyond. Because that came right after Twilight Zone. And then there was the Son of Svengooli out of Chicago. Shout out to that. In addition, you had during the evening Night Gallery, another Rod Sterling classic. From then, it went to more of the live, as far as investigation type shows. Um, a little show called Real People would sometimes have, of course, the ghost specials. In addition to that's incredible. Now, I'm probably throwing out some things that are really old school. So, you know, feel free if you happen to remember these or don't remember them. They're excellent. They're probably somewhere out on the internet to find old episodes. That's where I got exposure. And then, to top it off, of course, they had Ripley's Believe It or Not, and that also had some really cool stories about different ghosts, and as well as international-type exposure to that. So, yeah, those are the kind of shows that got me started. Yeah, because I've always been interested in things like ghosts and spooky stories, but uh, for me, Sightings, like I said, was the first show I remember that I watched on a regular basis, and... The thing about sightings, I liked the earlier episodes 
more because I remember the first episode, which I don't remember if it was the pilot or not, but uh, the first episode I remember dealt with ghosts, but um, they wouldn't just limit it to ghosts. They'd also discuss, um, you know, like monsters, cryptids, Bigfoot. Uh, aliens, yes, Bigfoot, uh, another type mm -hmm. of paranormal investigation. Uh, they would also discuss uh, UFOs, and it's a fascinating topic, and I know you have, a, of course, your UFO story that you know, I'm sure you'll share later on. My only problem with sightings is that after a while, it became nothing but UFOs, and some of the footage just got so grainy, and it's like, okay, come on. Why are you guys showing this? Well, you never have a camera close at hand when you want when you experience it. It just doesn't happen. Also, at the time frame when that show was on, there wasn't it. It wasn't commonplace to have you know your cell phone with now the pictures and stuff where you can capture a lot more images. Then, you know, sure as hell, if I would have been up in the Hayward area as far as when I experienced what I experienced, if I had a cell phone that would have had a camera as well as a, you know, ability to take photo, I would have been happy to. But you know what? It wasn't at the time. Yeah, in addition to as point. far as some of these, you know, other shows that I have mentioned, the reason why you said, you know, what got you started, it's because they told stories. Um, one of the common things that you'll find is with, a good paranormal type situation or investigation, you're going to find a story behind it. And that's what people, we are generally interested in each other. We want to know, you know, past or present. We want to know what happened and about it, you know. Okay, well, speaking of stories, and uh, you mentioned the Hayward incident. So why don't you tell us about the Hayward incident? Um, it was just a really, you know, dark night. I was up there. For those who don't know, Hayward is way, way far, far northern Wisconsin. It's where God lost his shoes, let's <laughs> yes. just say. Um, it is a remote area. This was out on one of the lakes. I prefer not to say which specifically, you know, for privacy reasons. But, you know, we were out there, and it's a normal, you know, tri-level home. We were getting ready for bed in the evening. Um, I, of course, was having to sleep in the living room versus the bedroom because it happened to be the same week that both my brother and I were up there. Um, the living room faces as far as the side towards the water. Open concept, so, you know, you just look out the window in front of you, you know, you're going to hit the lake. My um, father happened to be also their bedroom. Parents' room happened to be also along the same side facing the lake. Um, had watched some TV, was getting ready, you know, to kind of go down for the evening. It was about, you know, I would say about 12 o'clock or so. And all of a sudden, I didn't hear anything. That was the really weird part. It was just very quiet. And this spotlight came through the window it was I can't say exactly it was spotlight I was froze I was just sitting there on the couch and this big white light just kind of went from one end of the window all the way down towards the house and with the lake house it has windows that go from one side all the way down to the other with you know very little 
as far as building or walls, you know, it's mostly as far as glass. I thought, you know, maybe I'm dreaming, you know, who the hell knows what this is, excuse my language, but, you know, it was just... I'll beep it out later. It, I, it was just really scary, you know, I was frozen, and I didn't dare want to go look and see what the hell was shining this, like, spotlight. There was no one on the water, because you would have heard the, as far as boats, you would have heard a helicopter, you would have heard a plane, there was nothing, it was silent. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm the only weirdo that freaking saw this, I'm like, I'm just going to keep quiet about it. So we get up next morning, and my father actually brought the topic up, and he goes, gosh, he goes, it was weird last night, he goes, did you, you know, there were these bright lights, and I go, holy dad, I go, I, I, I saw the same thing. Of course, my mother and my brother make fun of us to this day for it, but, you know, my dad and I experienced it. We don't know what the hell it was, but it was scarier than hell, and it was bright. You know, it's like, imagine this, like, overwhelming, and it wasn't where it overtook the entire window. It traveled, and it went. So It was swamp was gas my... reflecting off of Venus. There's no swamp there it's and the house is it's not like somebody could have taken a deer spotlight because the house on the lake it's up and it's not a straight drop but it's a pretty steep drop into the lake and i would say at least uh 20 to 30 feet above where the lake is so yeah and it couldn't have been done from a boat so yeah that was weird because uh i remember you uh tell me about that all you know, the light was ago. unbroken. When it came into the window, it was unbroken. There were no tree shadows. That's the weird part about it. Yeah, and I can't say I've ever had a UFO-type experience. Um, maybe, because for me, since I was really into astronomy, uh, for me, it usually if I saw something strange in the sky, I could usually determine what it was. Um, but, yeah, the... Sightings was always entertaining. Like I said, just I think they took the UFO uh, one a little too far. Um, but but we don't know what's out there. So, you know, to take it one step too far. No, there are a lot of people who experience this and they want to share. And it's something more commonplace than dealing with as far as like spirits. Because some people are immune to that and they just, they don't feel it, you know. Whereas I think with the UFO, it just... It happens. There's, it, it doesn't go according to psyche or whatever. It just happens. Yeah, and I know that the UFO uh, shows have, you know, made somewhat of a comeback. I don't, well, I don't know if they ever went away, but I know like UFO case files. I think is the name of one of them. Ancient aliens. Though there's that one guy who I can never pronounce his name. It's like Gregorio something, or he's always like aliens. You know, he always holds his hands in front of him, and he's like, D&D 4th Edition, aliens, that's the answer. Or, uh, you know, usually, okay, that was a D&D meme uh, from the D&D meme Facebook page, if anyone didn't catch that. But uh, usually his thing is, uh, he believes that anything that's unexplainable, aliens, that's the answer to everything, aliens. But, but you know, you're saying, oh, with the aliens and stuff, yet... My story helped inspire some of your 
writing for your Point of Insanity games, like with the Alien episode and being up north, you know, there are a lot of people. Granted, there are a couple nuts-type stories. Like, there's always the Bigfoot episode out in Shano where Bigfoot came out of the UFO. That's the one Bigfoot sighting I'm familiar with and heard about out here. So. I haven't heard of that one. So. Oh, okay. Yes, it's, if you Bigfoot, look it up... aliens. That's well, all you need to know. Bigfoot... Aliens. Yeah, there, there's, according to, as far as sightings around here, there's a case where a gentleman saw Bigfoot and he came from a UFO out in the Shano area. That's the closest as far as Bigfoot sighting around here. Yeah. So, and no, it wasn't Yoder out there who saw him. If you <laughs> didn't know, Shano is very close to the Amish community, but that's, again, yeah. another topic to discuss later. Yeah, today. Bigfoot. I know Bigfoot shows didn't really they don't they don't really seem to have gotten as much prominence or as popular as the UFO investigation shows which I'm sure of course one of the reasons the UFO shows have become more popular is you know you mentioned this before and I didn't think about that is you know nowadays with you know almost everyone has a cell phone with well not almost everyone but you know a lot of people have cell phones that have cameras and you know video cameras in them and home video equipment has gotten a lot better and a lot more readily available to the general public. So, yeah, it's, it is easier for people to have access to equipment that they can use to record things. Oh, come on. The Amish even have as far as computers and the camera phones and stuff. And that's the younger ones, especially with Rung Shpurton. But... So as I was saying, with the uh, Bigfoot investigation shows, you know, usually they were just the episode on, not not episode. There's usually uh, sightings would have a segment on uh, Bigfoot, uh, Sasquatch, the skunk ape, um, you know, these crypt cryptids. Uh, of course, there is one show that I think it's been on for a couple of years now, um, Finding Bigfoot. Finding Bigfoot is, you know, one of those that's been on for a while. They take a more scientific approach yeah, to as far as that. That's but you know what, what I like. I, I, I like how they take that scientific approach. And if you've never seen it, they have this really tall, big guy on their team named Bobo. And I like how they do this since Bobo is a tall guy, I mean, well over six feet. Usually when someone says, okay, this is where I saw Bigfoot, this is what he was doing, what they'll do is they'll usually have Bobo go to wherever the, uh, you know, the Bigfoot was sighted, and if the person had, like, a, you know, video camera, they managed to record it on video or take a picture of it, they'll try to have, put Bobo in that same situation, so that way they can, again, try to rule out, okay, is it possible that, you know, what this person saw wasn't Bigfoot or Sasquatch, but was just a really tall person who may have been out in the woods, you know what's kind of ironic with that makes me laugh is the fact that Bobo used to actually be a roadie for the for the band Black Flag. And it's just kind of funny with that whole thing. And then you do have Henry Rollins now who's doing 10 things you don't know about and he'll give certain topics and everything. So that whole other genre of these, you know, has been or, you know, heavy metal type people doing these educational, I find 
amusing as well as educating. So that's another topic maybe for a later discussion <laughs> with yes, that. When, uh, <laughs> yes, when stuff like Poison and Motley Crue is considered uh, classic rock, that kind of makes you feel old, doesn't it? But, yeah. But the, yeah, Finding Bigfoot, as I was saying, I like how they try to take a scientific approach to it. Um, and they don't assume that everything is evidence of a Bigfoot sighting. Um, they, it's a squatch. Yes, the, actually one thing that is kind of funny, they'll have these little uh, comment bubbles from members of the team that they'll put in when, uh, you know, when they're doing their investigation. One of my favorite ones is one of the guys was saying something about Sasquatch in the wild have been known to do this. And one of the little comments from the other team members was, as opposed to what, Sasquatch in captivity? But another show that I know is they've, they dealt with Bigfoot as well as other cryptids. Uh, what was it? Destination Unknown or Destination Truth? Destination Truth. Yeah, because I know they've investigated, um, you know, crypto cryptids. Uh, they've investigated the Yeti, the Mongolian Death Worm, and all sorts of other. You know, he just keeps getting shows after shows. He's doing another one like that, and I think it's just because he's considered um, tasty eye candy, TEC. So that's why he keeps getting played. Yeah. Essentially, <laughs> well, it. I don't know. I, I haven't seen Destination Truth in a while, but I do like the show. I mean, it is. It got stopped, and they decided to come up with another name and do another type of rendition of it. If you want to see like a really good investigation like with paranormal and stuff i would recommend it the dead files that's one of my personal favorites because yep. i can relate a lot to amy and what she experiences um it, it's just a very well done because it gives you both the analytical side as well as the paranormal type side to the investigation and you see the two sides come together and you find there's a lot of similarities and it kind of makes and gives proof and validity to their discovery as opposed to you know you have these ghost hunter shows which was, I've been a fan um since you know yeah, the first know. season and that has they've grown through the years of course there's ghost hunters now there's ghost adventurers and they had humble beginnings but now new technology keeps evolving and it's starting to get a little repetitious on both sides but it's also starting to take on more of an antagonistic approach where they yeah, I do ghost not adventures specifically like I can't remember the name of the head investigator but he's always like you know saying to the ghost you want to try pushing me down? You want a piece of me? You know, do something. And then, like, you know, someone will get hit in the head with a brick. And um, I know that's one thing with Ghost Adventures that's different from Ghost Hunters. Ghost Hunters usually didn't do that. They're um, starting to, though. That's one of the problems with that. And to take that type of approach, it, it in my opinion, is not necessarily a good thing. You never know what you are dealing with. With the paranormal, that's why, again, I'm going to reference my favorite show. You're not always dealing with, as far as a spirit, you could be dealing with a demon, you could be dealing with something that's not of this earth or something that is just out of the realm of normal. You know, for it's not a ghost, it's or something Or it could be dark. swamp gas reflecting off of Venus. 
No, it is not swamp gas reflecting off of Venus. Oh, that annoys me when you start talking that. Oh, um, sorry. <laughs> you've got to understand, I've got my own theory about as far as ghost and haunting and fractionization of the soul, basically where the soul fractures and certain parts can stay here, certain parts, you know, go to heaven or reincarnated, but you're dealing with bits and pieces of a human soul and that in itself can be you know the person trapped here or a certain you know just repetitive nature trapped here yeah the reoccurring apparition theory where like something yeah like the for those who may not be aware the reoccurring reoccurring apparition theory um, is one thing that I use in my after after peak system with setting available on Drive Through RPG and RPG Now and their affiliated sites. But uh, sorry, uh, yeah, because the reoccurring apparition uh, theory is that if an event of great sadness happens or tragedy or something with like a lot of emotion behind it, it leaves an imprint on the environment, and occasionally it will play it back, uh, like example if a young girl you know young child falls into a well and dies it might leave you know a psychic residue at least that's a theory where every now and then people might see you know a ghost of a child falling into a well but when they go to investigate you know try to help there's no girl in there well it doesn't even have to be that that can be something entirely else but you have where in the Civil War, you'll have marches and stuff people have seen, and that's because you're dealing with great stress and duress, and mm-hmm. that can also have an imprint. But it has to be specific type of environmental triggers as well. Um, a lot of theories go to the fact if it is, you know, stormy out, that's going to trigger as for more of a response and more paranormal activity because of that energy that's in the air. There was another show that was gentlemen from Chicago that did a study that it did actually peak during a storm versus as far as just regular dry weather. Yeah, I think I remember that show because didn't they have another episode where they tried using water? As yes. A, yeah, I can't remember the name of it, but I, I remember that show too. Is, it was nice because, they, again, they tried to use the scientific approach. And I know Ghost Hunters has done this too, where one of the things that people usually associate with paranormal activity is if you take a film or a vi- you know or a picture and you see these little orbs flying around. And I know he, uh, one of the guys from Taps, the the bald guy, was that Jason? Yeah. Uh, I I think it was he was the one who mentioned that. Well, people think that okay, if you see orbs, it means that there's ghosts. He's like, no, orbs they can. They can just be dust, exactly. you know, or bugs that are reflecting light, or it could just be, you know, energy, but not necessarily something paranormal, just like residual energy that, you know, somehow gets captured on film. Um, and I know that's one of the things they'll do whenever they see the little orbs in their video. They'll try to take a closer look and determine, okay, is it, was it maybe just a bug, a moth, or was it just maybe a flashlight reflecting off of something? So I like it when they do try to take that scientific approach as opposed to saying, oh, there's an orb, this place is haunted. 
yeah, there have been shows that have been out there that are not as good, and they have exploited the whole orb theory and what happens with that. Um, getting back to other things that trigger, generally with a repetitive, you're looking at limestone, certain quartzes in the area or sites. Um, any type of high magnetic fields will cause a repetitive type haunt. Uh, running water is great for triggering as far as possible places where you're more likely to have the likelihood of having a haunt or a haunted place become alive. So just some general theories out there. You know, you can investigate them yourself and look them up. Paranormal investigation show is always a lot of fun to watch, but another thing that can be interesting is to actually go somewhere that's supposed to be haunted. Um, and I know you've been on ghost walks, which I you know, you know, you see them every now and then advertised, especially around Halloween, where people will take you to places that are supposed to be haunted. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, down in Chicago, you said Richard Crow was one of the big ones. Yep, yeah, Richard Crow was well-respected as far as paranormal investigator out of the Chicagoland area. Um, may he rest in peace. He is no longer. There are other tour-type um, places that will do as far as the show. That was a lot of fun because you actually go to a specific downtown location and then you get to go and on a tour bus and actually travel the Chicagoland area and hear all the different stories. Um, that I would say, you know, we should probably do another podcast and I could tell you all of the different Chicagoland things because there's just too numerous, especially since the South Side, I've been exposed to the Bachelor Grove, Resurrection Cemetery with, of course, the famous Resurrection Mary. So that would be an entire show in itself. So in the Richard Crow ghost walks that you've been on, any did you have any paranormal experiences? Yes, I have. I'm not going to share them now because I want you guys to listen. And please let us know if you want to hear about as far as my adventures in Chicagoland for the next podcast. I'll kind of keep you wanting a little bit more with that, and we'll see how popular I can be on this little podcast. Oh, thanks, honey. But And then... There's also another one that, not as famous, um, that you actually went on just last year. Uh, last fall, uh, we went to the Maritime Museum in Manitowoc. And it right. was interesting because they have a sub from World War II that's, uh, that's, that's docked there. And, you know, we got to go on the, uh, the tour of the sub. And I know we took several pictures. And, of course, my normal co-host, Steve as I mentioned several times, is uh, a cook in the Navy. So one of these days we got to show him those pictures and go, so Steve, how would you like to have uh, cooked or worked in these conditions? But they, while we were down there, uh, we saw a flyer for a ghost walk. And you, act, you went on that with a, a friend of yours. So uh, mm -hmm. tell us about that. Any interesting stories? Did you experience anything? Actually, it was quite well done. I think it was under. I think that they underrated as far as for their ghost walk. It's one of the better ones out here in the Wisconsin land area. I found it completely educational. Of course, they talked about the submarine ghost, the gentleman who was um, killed. There was only one fatality on the entire 
as far as ship, in this case the submarine, and he did die on the sub from attacks. He was a gunner, and he was the only one who was shot to death and was pulled in and, you know, later died in the submarine while the Japanese had attacked, but they defeated them, so he died a hero. It, they talked about that. They also talked about some of the other ghosts in the area in reference to one of the gentlemen who lived in the town and you will occasionally see as you go past his house. They talked about a couple of the other Great Lake tragedies, um, specifically mentioning like the Emmett Fitzgerald, of course, and the other one, um, the Per, I want to say the Pearl or the the Empress of Ireland. If you ever get a chance, look that up. That is an underrated as far as disaster. Um, very similar to that of the Eastland disaster out of Chicago, but this occurred on the Great Lakes as far as one of the more loss of life than even the Titanic. It's just the time placement as just like the Peshtigo fire happened to occur, you know, around a city that, you know, was a little bit more built up. The Chicago fire took precedence over Peshtigo, mm -hmm. even though more were lost. So another interesting subject. So the material that they talked about on the the Manitowoc Ghostwalk, any of that ever covered in any sort of paranormal investigation shows? Or um, have you ever seen any of these places that you've been to that were, you know, supposedly haunted? covered on any of the the shows you've seen oh tons of them yeah um, most commonly you're going to go ahead and find you know if it's if it's on a tour it's very popular it's happened repet repetitively you're gonna see those more so that's why again i like some more of these like the dead files more of the individual even like the a haunting those are going to delve into more of the personal tales that you don't hear a lot about because people don't want to talk about it. You know, who wants to buy a haunted house? Yes, I know yeah. there are a few people there, but generally you people do not want anything with, you know, that bad type of juju attached to it. Going back to Chicago, again, since that's where my, my wife is from, I remember another tale that you told me. I, I've never seen on an investigation show, but I know one type of, investigation shows occasionally they'll talk about mysterious artifacts or interesting pieces at in a collection in a museum like like one show that we've watched a few times mysteries at the museum and it's an entertaining show what they'll do is they'll take an artifact from the collection of the smithsonian and tell you something interesting about it like this innocent looking dinner plate holds a deep dark, sinister secret because it was used by a babysitter to bludgeon Oh, that's children no, no, if you're gonna if you're gonna say something like that, at least give it some validity. Say it was part of the Dahmer party. <laughs> oh god. Okay, that's bad. It was on the Titanic. No, it wasn't the Dahmer party as far as not Jeffrey Dahmer, the other Dahmer party in which they turned to cannibalism and stuff, but no. Um if you're gonna go into that they did have a show that was more into that specifically with paranormal. It was called the Haunted Collection in which he would gather items and you still find that today um, unfortunately if I go into certain places 
you can feel, if you pick up objects and it just doesn't feel right, chances are you're not supposed to have it. Um, I do believe objects do carry certain energy with them and have attachments. You know, we we love our things, you know, like, you know, we want more stuff. Yep. You know, even the great George Carlin said, we get, we buy, buy we get more stuff, you know, buy places to put more stuff, you know. Yes, uh, George Carlin, one of my favorite, the first album I heard of his, uh, place for my stuff, and it's like a house is just a pile of stuff with a cover on it, and mm -hmm. your house is a place to keep your stuff while you go out and get more stuff. But yeah, I mean that's <coughs> bless you. Me. But yeah, that was a good show, Haunted Collector, where uh, he examines things that people think are cursed or have some sort of negative energy attached to them, and they'll do their investigations, or you know, and at the end of the show, they'll usually offer the person, you know, while well, we can take this item from you or if you want to keep it. And they it. put it in the museum yeah. and the museum is out there in Connecticut. So yeah. something to check out. And I wonder if this, maybe this is a coincidence, but I don't know if you remember Friday the 13th, the TV series. Oh, I loved it. That I was another was... one that was based off of this kind of um, paranormal genre, just like, you know, your Twilight Zone, your mm -hmm. One Step Beyond and everything. Yeah, and what's interesting with Friday the 13th, this TV series, it had nothing to do with Jason Voorhees um, or anything in the Friday the 13th mythos. Uh, it was a show about a person who, well, kind of like the Haunted Collector, though, of course, Friday the 13th, the series came quite a bit before then. Uh, he ran an, an antique shop, and I think it was his former partner made a deal with the devil where he... Uh, would sell people cursed artifacts. And then, of course, when you deal with the devil, nothing ends well. So the guy who ran the store now, uh, his goal was to retrieve all these cursed artifacts. And uh, he had, I know, a, a man and a young man and a young woman that helped him. I don't know if they were related or not. I think one of them was. But I remember they had some really interesting episodes. Um, one that was particularly interesting, uh, I was calling it, I believe, Hate on the Radio, where the plot behind this one is you had a man who was part of a white supremacist family, and he had this cursed car stereo, and when he got blood on his hands and then touched this car stereo, it would take him back in time, and his father had been in prison for hate crimes, so he was using this artifact to try to go back in time so he could prevent his father from getting uh, sent to prison. And now it's been a while since I've seen it. I believe that was what the plot of the episode was, but I know it involved a time-traveling uh, car radio, which that actually might be an interesting idea for a campaign for a D&D. &D. <laughs> Great. It all goes back to D&D. &D. Yes, everything goes back to D&D. &D, uh -huh. any, anyways. So, yeah, The Haunted Collector was definitely an interesting one. Um, and, again, that could actually be good inspiration for a role-playing campaign. Not for D&D, &D, but maybe for, like, horror. Um, well, like any even one... vampire. You know, werewolf, mage, that rule set, where, again, your goal is you have to try to collect these cursed uh, or haunted artifacts. 
Well, any one of these could be as far as, you know, into that. And I know you're going to be talking um, next week or so. You're going to be discussing the whole, you know, creepy pasta. And I know one of the sets are like the beholder items, which, you know, the I'm beholder. You know what? I, I think beholder is a big thing with beholder. lots of eyes that can no, uh, no, kill no, you by no. looking at you. No, the beholder beholders or whatever the holders that's what the holders. that's the name of that creepy pasta the holders it's a lot You're thinking of, of a D, &D monster hun <laughs> well anyways that whole line of creepy pasta type things where you go into any mental hospital you know what it, I, I, that's a lot of fooey with those and you don't want to hear my um parody of that uh, al has heard about my you know uh, sorry i know somebody who happens to work at them and, and it's kind of graphic but yeah because <laughs> occasionally before uh bed i'll listen to creepy pastas on my um yeah on my phone. how lovely <laughs> but yeah actually with me my next episode with uh, uh i'm gonna be having uh casey back on the show she's been on a couple episodes so far and we're gonna be discussing urban legends and creepy pastas so a little preview of things to come yeah but you gotta let them know too you know if they want me back on i'm happy to oh, yeah. discuss any type of topic um, you we can even pick it or let us know and we'd be, be happy to discuss yeah and if you uh if you are interested in learning some of raza's chicagoland ghost stories uh certainly feel free to contact me easiest way to do it is if you go to uh, my website, POIGamestudio.com, and I do have a contact form on there. Um, so if you go there and say, hey, uh, you know, I want to hear Roz's hear uh, stories. <laughs> or uh, probably what would be easier, if you go to Facebook, you can look up Point of Insanity Game Studio on Facebook. Feel free to like my page. And, uh, of course, if you go there, feel free to post a comment that, hey, I want to hear some of your wife's ghost stories from Chicago. And if I'm a pretty good ghost teller. At least that's what the Cub Scouts tell me. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, nothing like telling ghost stories to... No, we don't tell them ghost stories. I tell them some other appropriate stories. I don't want to give those little kids nightmares. Oh, my goodness. But <laughs> I'm a good narrative, and trust me, I can get... I, uh, I can bring out some interesting things and interesting theories as well as interesting stories make you want to go and visit these places because they are, a lot of them are free of charge, just have to know where to go and a lot of them can be visited on site. So, of course, ghost stories and the phenomenon of ghost stories and unexplained events, uh, certainly it's not new. There have been um, sightings of... Uh, UFOs that have dated back to the days of ancient Egypt and the Roman Empire. And, of course, people have been telling ghost stories for, you know, thousands of years. So why do you think that even today in the modern age where we, you know, we've found scientific explanations for many things, why do you think things like ghost stories and Bigfoot and UFOs, why are these, why do you think these stories are so popular and why they still persist? Because it's part of our primal instinct. It's also part of us it's something that is just ingrained in us i do believe in them i believe that it's out there i am one who happens to be a believer you would say mm -hmm. we are always curious and wondering about the nature of humans we have had in the past and not so recent as far as past where we've discovered new species of animals we don't know everything. 
that no human being knows absolutely everything. So to stretch and want to know, it's part of our nature. It's part of being yeah. curious. It's part of being human. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons that uh, ghost stories are popular. Of course, you know, people, a lot of people wonder about the afterlife. Is there life after death? And, you know, if we could find evidence of, you know, ghosts, that would almost indicate that, yeah, there is something beyond, uh, you know, life. So it plays upon that primal instinct, which you mentioned, uh, mm -hmm. you know, fear and not always fear, it's but curiosity even, of the unknown. I think it's mainly the curiosity, not so much the fear. People need to know that there is something after, and, you know, any type of religious doctrine is going to tell you what's to expect and what not to. You know, you got to follow your heart and go with what you think. I I know a lot of people, we could get into the discussion of what is the afterlife and everything. And different people would argue, you know, some people believe ghosts are demons, etc. But it's just there is something out there. There is always going to be the unexplained. I don't think you can explain it all. And you know what? It's not meant to be explained. So it exists. I'm curious about it. Others like yourselves maybe that are listening are curious about it. Another type of investigation show, whether you want to consider it paranormal or not, um, that I suppose is in the eye of the beholder, but shows that investigate uh, unnatural or not unnatural, but unusual places and Bermuda. Uh, yep, yeah, the Bermuda <laughs> Triangle. But one particular type of show, as an example, that both of us enjoy watching, uh, Curse of Oak Island. Now, for those who don't know, Oak Island is a, an island off the coast of Nova Scotia, and there is a feature there called the Money Pit, because it is believed that there's some sort of great treasure hidden on Oak Island, and there have been booby traps and all sorts of things, and uh, they say that seven people have to die before the island will give out its secrets. And, you know, there's been all sorts of interpretations. Like some people think that, uh, was it like the, the Holy Grail is buried under there? Um, there's other people who have speculated that it was the treasure of the Knights Templar. Ark um, of the Covenant. Yeah, Ark of the Covenant. And I think there's been a couple other ones like pirate treasures that... Sorry. Sorry, I know, yes, the Indiana Jones thing. Uh -huh. but, um, so that one's kind of interesting that, and again, they've six people have died. Um, so that's one of the things they always talk about in the show is that, you know, that supposedly seven people have to die before them. One more to go. Yep. <laughs> so um, that I always find, find kind of interesting. And for all the trouble they go through, honestly, I hope they do find something interesting down there and not just a bunch of skeletons or something. I've got a great idea. What's that? We're going to conduct our own Bermuda Triangle. You know, I think if we mark the wall in our mudroom from the point to the closet, I think we can find out where those socks are disappearing <laughs> in our laundry room. What do you say, that's, honey? Well, let's that's do it. That's our Bermuda Triangle. Well, let's do it. Yeah, we're all our, our missing socks disappear, too. But, you know, so that's one type. And uh, there's another one that I've seen. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but uh, it investigates the possibility that there may have been uh, a race of giants that inhabited North America long ago. Well, yeah, they had the skeletons in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the 
maybe it's affiliated with the rock the rock um what is it rock lake pyramids? the rock lake pyramids yes yeah. which i know they've covered that on a couple of shows uh rock lake is in a small town called lake mills uh my great uh aunt used to live there and you know so we've gone there you know we used to go visit there and she actually lived on rock lake and occasionally divers would come and they'd again they they try to search for these pyramids because uh, because we know pyramids are quite popular in Wisconsin for building. <laughs> well, there supposedly there's legends. Um, Native Americans um, in the area, you know, report that there's these stone teepees that they didn't build, and it. They've also tried connecting it with Astalon, which is a state park uh, that's not too far. It's in the same general area, and there's earthen pyramids there. And I've I've been there. It's interesting. Uh, some people believe. Is it as cool as the Wonder Spot? No. Oh, <laughs> we can talk about the Wonder Spot later, but okay. as far as the uh, the pyramids, uh, some people believe that Astalon was actually an outpost of another mysterious ancient location called Cahokia, which is actually not too far from the city of St. Louis. Uh, it's another place I was at many years ago, but Cahokia was actually a very thriving, uh, large Native American city then it just kind of became deserted. And one of the main theories is probably it was just uh, a famine due to climate change. Sure, it wasn't smallpox? Well, actually, it was, it was believed to have been deserted before Europeans came into contact with the people there. So it most mm. likely wasn't... I mean, it could have been a disease, but probably not one brought over by Europeans. But... Uh, some people believe that Astalon was actually a an outpost of Cahokia. Because uh, I forgot whether it was Cahokia or Astalon, but I know at one of those two locations they've discovered uh, shells from you know animals that are only found in the Gulf of Mexico. So that seems to indicate that, you know, even long ago there were Native Americans trading all over, uh, you know, from the Gulf of Mexico up to uh, Wisconsin. So I just find stuff like that to be really interesting. Um, but to get back on my topic there with the pyramids, there were, it was like the late, I think it was the early 1900s, uh, there were uh, some duck hunters and they they hit something with their oar. That's because we had a drought that caused the, the water lake levels, to be yeah. so, so down. Yeah, and there are aerial photographs that show something. It's just the problem with Rock Lake is that uh, some of the, a lake <laughs> yeah well yeah it's the it's very murky you know so it's very hard to get a clear view but supposedly there are people who have dove in down and have found them and i actually didn't know about this until recently uh there's even l rumors of a, a monster a lake monster um that they've named rocky uh-huh so maybe we'll get lucky one day and it'll end up like the dells you know, where Lake Delton just disappears <laughs> a couple days, and then all of a sudden, yeah, they fill it and it's back. Which, incidentally, we have walked in the middle yes. of Lake Delton. Yes, uh, back in 2008, there was a, an accident at the one of the dams there, which broke. And, um, yeah, the Lake Delton was just totally drained, and we uh, were down there. And so, yeah, it was kind of interesting. We can say that we walked on the bottom of Lake Delton. <laughs> yes, of course, the first couple times I get to go to the Dells, the Dells hey, is not that was existent. like the, that was the 
third time I we said it was one of the first times. It, was the third. it wasn't the first. Yeah, the first time. Okay, for those who don't know, uh, the Wisconsin Dells is one of the biggest tourist trap cities in Wisconsin. And Watch Travel Channel um, water parks. You'll yes. see what we mean. And yeah, it's famous for its water parks. So the first time I took my wife down to the Dells, when was it? Yeah, late January mm-hmm. for her birthday. So. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think it, you kind of lost the magic going to uh, the water park cap of the world when it was ten below zero. Yeah, but at least it was better. At least I didn't not get to go like Shireland. Shireland <sighs> is gone. Oh uh, yes, that's another story from uh, my <laughs> wife's side of the family. So, well, I'm looking at look the... up Shireland, people, you'll see what we mean. <laughs> Okay, why don't we? Why don't you tell no, the story? No, no, no! I'm gonna okay, let these okay. people look it up. Okay. If they want to hear, they'll let us know at Point of the Sanity Games. But well, I'm looking at the time, and we've uh, about uh, maximized our time here today, and okay, probably talked your ears off. Well, that's well. Those are some of the various paranormal investigation shows that we've watched, and again, some of the shows we mentioned, of course, weren't investigation shows, but they were things that when we were younger uh, got us interested in things like ghosts, UFOs, and the paranormal. Um, and just so, the all and out, out and strange and unique things. Yeah, and again, for a gamer, from a gamer point of view, there's a lot of potential there. I mean, not only could you watch them for entertainment, but you could possibly glean ideas for uh, your campaign. I mean, some games like Call of Cthulhu, um, that's when I could certainly see working well, especially if you know you're going to do a campaign where you have to search for uh, artifacts that are supposedly cursed or haunted, um, or have paranormal significance. Maybe even with some of the White Wolf games, because I know like stuff like Vampire, Werewolf, Mage, uh, Changeling, there is an element of paranormal in those games. Uh, so again, check out some of these and. In- Paranormal investigation shows, uh, ghost stories. Who knows? You just might find some uh, good ideas for your next campaign. And if not, feel free to listen to uh, more further podcasts <laughs> to find a genre that you do like. So I'd like to thank you again for uh, joining us, and have a good evening or morning or afternoon, whatever it is where you are, and happy games.